you're listening to Journey by Faith, the official podcast of Faith Bible College in Norfolk, Virginia. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Here we go. Welcome to episode one of season one of the Faith Bible College podcast, here with Dr. Newman once again, and we are starting in the book of Genesis. We are in chapter one, verse one, starting right at the beginning. What better place to start, if you ask me? Uh, So we are just going to talk through creation, talk through some of these issues that we see in Genesis as we journey through the Bible together. All right, Dr. Newman, welcome again. Thank you. It's good to be here. So we are looking at Genesis. I love the book of Genesis. I've loved teaching that lately uh, in my Old Testament class uh, that I teach here through Faith Bible here at Hampton Christian Academy. So uh, Genesis, I, yeah, I just love working through it. It is a fascinating book, one that I have not, uh, didn't understand very well my whole life, but I'm starting to understand more and obviously have not fully grasped it yet. And just, so that's why I'm excited to go through it yet again. Uh, So we are right here at the beginning talking about creation of the world. And there has been so many views over the years, over the decades, millennia, all of that about how the world was created. I'm excited to talk with you about that. So let me, I'm just going to start here at the beginning, and then I'm going to just have you jump in and ask us some things, and we'll talk about it. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think we can stop right there (laughs) and talk about that. All right, so God created. Go ahead, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, uh, before I comment on that, Yes. Let me just give a, a, a push or a, a promotion here. Uh, Dr. Jones here is creating an online class uh, for Faith Bible College in the book of Genesis. Yep. So uh, just a little unashamed promotion there. <laughs> now, beginning in Genesis 1-1, let me uh, throw something out there that is a little bit of a curveball, if I might. Uh, all of our English Bibles read in the beginning. However, the Hebrew literally reads in beginning. There is no definite article there in the Hebrew. Okay. Now, Hebrew grammar, as well as Greek, states that if there is no definite article, you should not place one in there. However, you can place an indefinite article like a or an there. Okay. The rule also goes on to say that if there is a definite article, you don't necessarily have to translate it. So, for example, uh, many times the word God or the name God is the God. And we very rarely translate the because it is a proper name so proper names is that the name name right right okay i've heard that before yeah yes so um here we're faced with the 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 very beginning the the first word is bereshith in the hebrew and by the way if you look in the Hebrew Bible, that's the name that they give for the book of Genesis. Uh, not exactly yep. creative. They just take the first name of chapter 1, verse mm-hmm. 1, and that becomes the name of the book. But it is Bereshith 
in beginning. So why do you think we put a definite article there and say in the beginning? Because it seems to me like we've always said this because we need to have some kind of starting point in our minds. Like this was how it all began. This is how everything began. Uh, so we're pointing at one definite point. But what, you know, I'm not a Hebrew scholar myself, but it seems like what you're saying is uh, the authors of Genesis didn't really have one definite point maybe in mind. Maybe just in beginning was a general sense or what What do you think that means in Hebrew? Uh there's actually a couple of different ways of looking at it. Some have said that in beginning is just the colloquial way that they would have spoken or written back then. So, uh, for example, if you know you are familiar with the way that British uh, speak English, they will talk about going to hospital. Uh, now, we in America always say we're going to the hospital. Right. They never put a definite article in front of hospital. Uh, and so, you know, I've always found that curious. I don't know why they do it that way. But there are many Hebrew scholars that believe the same thing is true of Hebrew, that there was just no need to put a definite article in there. On the other hand, there are some other scholars who wonder if maybe this is just one beginning. If there were other universes and worlds that God has made prior to this, and this is a report of our world and our universe. You know, I'm not sure how much credence we can give to that second idea. Uh, It it is an interesting idea, but it it makes you wonder why God doesn't give us any information about that anyplace else in Scripture, that we're just one of many uh, universes out there. But it's an interesting thought. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, I have... Uh, I have always people, kid, you know, students will ask me a lot. Do you believe that there are aliens out there? And I <laughs> say, I have no idea, but if there are, then God is also their God. And he also created them. I, I, I don't know. Right. We're not told, but if that were true, then God would still, it's not like it's outside of God's hand. Right. So I, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I, I don't like to speculate a lot uh, on <laughs> what the Bible says. So I would have a hard time buying into that belief, but it doesn't, you know, if that were true, it wouldn't change anything about who God is, I guess. Right. But I would have a hard time saying absolutely yes, because it's not written here in the text. So we don't know for sure. Right. Right. And, and that leads to another good point. And that is that the purpose of Genesis one and two is to introduce us to God. It is a window through which we can see and experience God better. It it is not meant to be a science textbook. God did not intend it to say, here's all the details and information you need, because there are many vague areas here, even though there are some details here as well. But 
Uh, again, this is a, a window to point us to God. Now, what we've done over the years is we've examined the window. In other words, you know, uh, what kind of glass is it? What kind of window panes does it have? Uh, how big is it? How wide is it? And sometimes we've studied the window so much that we forget to look through it and see the God ah, that it's pointing to. That's really good. And, you know, Genesis 1 and 2 is what we can call a cosmogony, a creation story. And okay. every people group, every nation has their own cosmogony. What sets Genesis apart from all of the rest is that they are trying to show how one particular God became the chief God. Genesis is showing how Yahweh is the one and only God. Yes, and there right. is no other God than him. So as we talk through this, uh, we're going to do our best to look through the window uh, and we'll take a little bit of time to examine the window as well, hopefully without missing the view that it, it gives us. Yes, no, that, that is so good. I'm glad you gave us that perspective because that is what's important here. We can spend way too much time figuring out what is Genesis actually telling us that we could miss that it's telling us about God. That is, yeah, I agree. Amen. And I, I, I liked your point about uh, how the other creation stories, especially at the time, I'm uh, Babylon, Egypt, other nations that were uh, around in that time, uh, all of their origin stories, just to sum it up and not get into too much detail, seem to be about, like you said, here's how this God defeated this other God to become the chief deity. And then this passage right. in Genesis 1 and 2 is telling us, hey, actually, uh, our God, the God that we worship is the true God. He didn't have to defeat anybody. He just spoke and things came into existence. So that, I do think that that is important for us to remember is that's what it's teaching us and especially the neighbors of Israel at the time, teaching them about, hey, this is why our God is the true God. Right. Absolutely. You know, if, if, if we move on, uh, we find that the name for God here in Genesis 1-1 is Elohim, um, which reminds us that he is the creator God. But the next thing that I think is important is it says created. The Hebrew word there is bara. Now, there's actually mm. two words in the Hebrew that can be translated create, bara and asa. Asa is often used of man creating things or making things or even building things. But in the Hebrew Old Testament, bara is only ever used of God. So uh, God is the one and only creator. That's awesome. Yeah. I, you're like, I can asa some Legos with my son, but I can't. <laughs> Barah them out of nothing and then right yeah i mean that would be the difference right yes exactly and that brings us to a another good point uh theologians have determined that there are actually three different types of creation there is ex nihilo creation which means as mm -hmm. you just said out of nothing there is nothing god spoke 
now something exists. Then there is uh, immediate creation, which is to take something that already exists and to make something new out of it. So God created man out of the dust of the earth. Okay. And then there is immediate creation, which is to create something new out of something that already exists and secondary forces. So you and I are a direct creation of God, but through something that already exists and the secondary force is our parents, uh, you know, coming together and procreating. Right. So uh, as we look at Genesis, what we find here is ex nihilo creation out of nothing. Right. And, you know, if we ask the question, is God still creating ex nihilo? Uh, I think the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> uh, if he is, he hasn't told us. Right. Is he still creating immediately? I, I, I don't know. Possibly. But if we ask, is he still creating immediately? Then the answer is absolutely yes, he is. And all the everything that we see is an example of God still creating today. Got it. Yeah, that's awesome. That is very, I'd never heard the three uh, types of creation uh, said quite like that. So that's, that's extremely helpful. No, I, I, uh, I love that. So thanks for sharing that. Like I said, I'm not much of a Hebrew scholar myself, but I'm trying to learn some every once in a while. So very helpful to me <laughs> for sure. Uh, so it, uh, verse two, so that was verse one. Good job on that. All right. <laughs> verse two says the earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So this seems to let us know that uh, the the earth was was here, got, uh, that obviously you know seems to be created, and it had no form and it was empty, void being void of anything, void of life. There is darkness over the waters, but the Spirit of God is there. All right. Any thoughts on verse two and kind of what that means in the grand scheme of creation? Verse two is interesting because in the Hebrew we find the phrase tohu wabahu, which again sounds kind of funny, <laughs> uh, but most people don't care about the Hebrew. It literally translates without form and void or really uh, formless and empty. And so uh, okay. now we find this phrase a couple of other times in scripture. And one time happens to be after there is a destruction that comes upon the land. And so some have uh, speculated that, well, uh, maybe what we have here then is God created everything and then there was a destruction of everything. Uh, what many have called the gap theory. In other words, between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, there is a indeterminate period of time. And many believe that what was called the Luciferic flood took place there. In other words, Satan and God had this big barroom brawl and <laughs> destroyed the world that God had created. And, you know, everything gets broken and messed up and God has to start over. Uh, 
I'll be honest with you. I think that's completely ridiculous because <laughs> Satan is no match for my God. Uh, yep. And so one word uh, dispels him. So there's no barroom brawl and there's no match there at all. And there's no reason to infer that there was destruction. It simply says that when God first created things, it was empty and without form. And I believe that what we find then is the rest of chapter one, the forming and the filling of creation. So first few verses tell us about God forming the world that he had created. Yeah. And then he tells yeah. us about how he's filled it with plants and animals and finally with man himself. So that's what we can understand the formless and empty to me. Right. Yeah. No, I've heard that recently, too, as I've been studying uh, kind of what this passage means and what is trying to teach us. And yeah, I've seen that the first three days uh, is God bringing order to the formless or to the, yeah, to the formlessness, uh, separating the lights from the darkness. So bring order to uh, light and dark, uh, bring order to the waters, you know, an ancient, the way the ancients saw uh, the sky is this dome of water above their heads. You know, of course they didn't have the view of right. earth like we did to them. Earth is just the stuff under their feet. Right. So they're separating the, the waters above and the waters below. So that's what that, you know, when he's talking about that, the waters under the expanse, the waters above the expanse in verse seven. That's what it seems right. like they're talking about. And then the third day is, yeah, again, gathering the waters in one place so that there's dry land. So bringing order to dry land and water there as well. Uh, yeah. So I've, I've heard that. And I think that's really interesting as well, uh, that here's this problem of uh, disorder and, de you know, uncreation, might, one might say, and God bringing order to that. Right. It's also interesting in verse two that we're told that the spirit of God uh, is hovering over the face of the deep. Uh, the word hovering there uh, literally means shaking. Um, and hmm. it, it gives us the idea of really the foundation uh, of all things, which is waves, not necessarily waves in the ocean, but uh, sound waves hmm. and other kind of waves. And, you know, scientists will tell us that the waves are part of the foundation of creation. One of the first things that they speculate uh, took form after the Big Bang Theory as they present it. Mm, so, wow. uh, you know, he, here are scientists saying, well, we think, you know, waves came first and God's saying, well, yeah, uh, they did because I did it <laughs> uh, through my spirit. Yep. Uh, and, and this also shows us, as we find in the New Testament, that our triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit were all active in creation. It wasn't just yep. the Father, but the Father, the Son, and the Spirit were just as active in the creation of the world as, you know, the other. That's amazing. Yeah. No, I've heard that as well. You know, I, I know, I think it's in uh, John or Colossians, a couple places. It says that everything was created through Christ and for Christ. 
So yeah, right. I yeah. I agree. Uh, it's, we see all three parts of the Trinity active in creation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Very so we good. mentioned a little bit about uh, we mentioned a little bit about the first uh, three days, uh, the second three days versus or days uh, four through six that start in verse eleven. Now again, like you mentioned before, this is where we see uh, God uh, filling the emptiness of the world. Uh, he the the lights are added to the sky, the the sun and the moon and the stars. And like you said, the waters are swarm with creatures, and uh, then the earth swarms with creatures as well. And now, and so that's kind of a summary of this section. Uh, how would you like to? Um, is there a way you would like to break this up and talk about anything specific, kind of in the creative days here? Sure. Uh, well, let's talk a little bit first about. The, some of the different theories that are out there as far as the day. Okay. Uh, we have here in, in Genesis 1, six days of creation. And many from theologians to scientists have speculated, well, is that a 24-hour day? Or well, what is that? And so the, it all comes down to the Hebrew word yam, which means day. Yeah. And you say, well, how do you translate day? Well, day can be translated as a 24-hour day. day. Yom can be translated as the period of light upon the earth. As we see okay. here uh, in verse 3, God called the, the light day. Um, and day can also refer to a, an indefinite period of time, as we might hear people say, well, back in my day, you know, uh, hmm. it was only a nickel, you know, uh, or, you know, we <laughs> right. had to walk to school both ways, barefoot, uphill in the snow uh, kind of thing. Right. <laughs> so and the question is, well, which way is it used here? So let me just throw out a, a couple of different theories that have been presented over the years. Um, one is called the day-age theory. This theory says that yam here refers to an indefinite period of time. So it says six days, but that's not 24-hour days. It could be... Uh, anything of thousands or millions or even billions of years. And so this theory kind of goes along with science and saying that we have an old earth, an old universe that is millions and billions of years old. Uh, another theory is what I mentioned before, the gap theory that says right. that there was an indefinite period of time between verses one and two. And once again, we have an, an old earth, an old universe. Uh, another theory is called the day and gap theory. Well, that's not what they really call it, but that's how I explain it. <laughs> Meaning that you have a literal 24 hour day. And then between the days, you have an indefinite period of time. Okay. So God creates, and then there's a period of time where growth takes place, and then the next day, and he creates again. So once again, 
you've got six 24-hour days, but you have indefinite periods of time once again leading to an old Earth and old universe. Right. The, another theory is what's simply called the mythological theory, which says that uh, it took God six days to give Moses this information. So hmm. Interesting. You know, he called Moses up, gave him a little bit of information, said, okay, that's enough for the day. Come back tomorrow and I'll tell you more. And huh. so all of this information was relayed to Moses in six days. The other theory that I happen to hold to is that it is a literal 24-hour day. And there are any number of different evidences and support for that. But primarily in Hebrew grammar, when the word yam or day is used and it is preceded or followed by a number, it always refers to 24 hours. And you'll right. notice here in Genesis 1, it's always preceded by a number. The first day, mm -hmm. the second day, the third day. One other evidence for this is that you also have the seventh day. And, you know, it is from the seventh day that we get the Sabbath. So if we're talking about days that are hundreds and thousands of years, then how does that relate to a week uh, and remember the Sabbath and keep it holy? Is it one day out of the week or is it hundreds and thousands of years? It doesn't relate and mm -hmm. it doesn't fit unless it's a 24 hour day. So right. those are some of the primary theories that have been laid out there. Uh, again, trying to equate the Bible with science and, you know, determine do we have a young earth or an old earth? Right. Yeah, I uh, this is a topic that has interested me for a very long time. And, you know, there was a time in high school and into college where I uh, heard for the first time the day age theory. And I said, this is it. This makes sense, finally. And I uh, went to Liberty University, so I argued with my professors who did not agree with me. And that was fine. Yeah. And <laughs> so I uh, had a professor named uh, Harvey Hartman, who is my Genesis professor in college. And I was discussing this with him. And, you know, I kind of was I was more coming from not a place of I was at that point. I was coming from a place of just confusion. Just I don't I don't know what to what to think. Help me figure this out. And he said, you know what? You look around you know, old earth makes sense, but I have studied Hebrew my whole life. And if God said it was seven days, then it was seven days. And that was it. That's all he said. He didn't try to argue or he just said, I just have to believe God more than, than anything else. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And that was a great argument. I thought uh, it's still something that fascinates me to think about, but I think primarily what we want to take away from this is we should believe what God said before we believe anything the world says. Amen. And that's part of the message that God is trying to convey to the nation of Israel when Genesis was written. He is God and he can be trusted. And, you know, he was there, he is there, and he always will be there. And, you know, if anybody can speak with any amount of authority 
as to what happened at creation, well, really God's the only one because he was there. Uh, nobody else was. They're just guessing. And whether you called it a hypothesis, which really is translated to be an educated guess, <laughs> or, you know, whatever you want to call it, it still comes down to the words of those who think they have it figured out uh, compared to the God who was there and who tells us what he did. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I agree. Well, I think we made it uh, through two verses uh, today, but I think that's a good place for us to uh, call, call it for this episode and uh, really looking forward to continuing to talk about Genesis, uh, hopefully to learn some more Hebrew. Uh, because I'm excited about that to learn what some of these words mean. So I uh, hope you've enjoyed everyone listening to this uh, to this first episode of Genesis here. Uh, we are going to take a deep dive into this book, as you can tell. We're excited to join you. Dr. Newman, thank you for uh, joining me this uh, this morning. Thank you. All right. I we'll see you it. next time, everybody. Uh -huh.